And now when you get to a location where you have that amount of death occurring, you're opening portal to lower astral realms. It's just an inevitability. Years ago, one could walk underground from one end of Malta to the other. Right. 1940, National Geographic. Years ago. Yeah, so why? Why not now? He starts digging in the cave and he finds giant bones and giant skulls in this cave that this, this tribe had stated that's where it took place. That's where we killed the last of the red-haired giants. All right, so the data around this, like, what? <laughs> we don't have stuff like ceremonial purposes. We don't have stuff that goes down that path with some of these things. What we have here are humans being rounded up and put in these pens. What ancient secrets are hidden in Malta's underground tunnels? Why did artifacts and statues in Malta's infamous Hal Safliani Hypogeum depict such large people? From temples and megaliths to star forts and tunnels that connect right to people's homes, there are a lot of stories to uncover. Hear remote viewing data on the Fresno Nightcrawlers from John Vivanco and investigative research from me, Rob Counts. Join Metaphysical for a show that's out of this world. Are you listening to this metaphysical podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or anywhere else? Leave us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate that. It's going to help us reach even more people. And remember, you got to like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, Ganjing World, Twitter, and Facebook. How you doing, John? Good. Excited to get into this. This is where things go... Well, should I actually say this or down, keep it to myself? Downhill, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, it's like I, I know, like, 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 um, what's his name? Uh, Graham Hancock. Graham Hancock. You know, he's he. I I I know that he's really trying to push the envelope with things, but we're like going outside of the envelope that I don't even know if someone like him would accept. In fact, Who knows? there's no more envelope. We've thrown the envelope <laughs> out. No envelope. <laughs> We're, this is just unbridled in, information. Um, yeah. I, I really respect what Grimm is doing because he's he's playing this game with, with modern-day archaeologists who are more likely to attack someone's character than accept their new theory, um, which I am... I'm against that. I don't think, I think that's very unprofessional. Um, I think the world that Graham comes from being a journalist, you just don't do that. You, you tend to look at information more objectively. Uh, I don't, I don't agree with everything that Graham Hancock puts forth. I don't, Um, but I do respect what he's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. This, this episode really is dedicated to what the hell is go, like, what the hell did they build on Malta? Um, the tunnels of Malta, which 
are said to you're, you're supposed to be able to access any part of the island from the tunnels of Malta. Several articles have posited that the current, I guess, civilization that's been built on Malta has been built over this tunnel system uh, that's there. And, and all of these megalithic structures are connected via this tunnel system. Yeah, and and go to the ocean and whatnot. So the the tunnel system, um, I don't know how it is now, but at least it used to go all the way to the ocean, multiple different shores. So you could go anywhere on the island in the tunnels at one point, at least. Well, in the tunnel that, uh, sorry, the cave, I should say, that Odysseus was held captive in was on the shores of the ocean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I fell into this strange rabbit hole as as you and I had been discussing this and we kept researching this. If the waters were 400 feet lower back in, an, in a more ancient time, uh, Malta would have been a hill. It would have been a, oh, yeah. a large hill or a mountain even. Now, I don't know about right. mountain, but 400 feet higher than the ocean, right? right? Right, exactly. Yeah, it would have been the whole mountain would have been riddled with tunnels um, they probably went a lot, lot, lot deeper and all down the side of the mountain, um, into the water back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day. So, yeah. So I think like, you know, some of the remote viewing data that I saw on this was that the, the water level r- rose so much, a lot of them were flooded and sometimes with the tides it would get higher within the tunnel system. So yeah, conceivably um, these tunnels could have stretched all the way to Vesuvius in general. You know, you're talking about lava tubes and stuff that came off of Vesuvius that these things could have connect, connected up to as well as, you know, the lore of it connecting to the Vatican. You know, this, this kind of research into these megalithic sites uh, kind of forced me into under, trying to understand, like, this Malta, which at that time was... A mountain or a hill right why was it singled out well if you really think about it if you're an ancient you're an ancient advanced civilization and you're you're spiritually inclined to create the longest lasting structures you're going to build it on the quarry that you're getting the stone from and by all accounts that's what it looks like happened on malta they find they find the limestone quarry and they literally build structures into it. They quarry the limestone and build the structures everywhere else on this little hill that's poking up. They know, I think, I mean, they're building it on the mountain, the highest point. I mean, look at churches now. Churches are always built on the hill. They're built on the highest point. So everyone can see these religious structures. And they're built on top of old churches of like previous civilization stuff. Sometimes. Yeah. You know, what we're looking at is uh, potentially these old temples from a very distant positive or negative religious order that was able to to carve these out. And, and you know, th- this limestone on on Malta is no joke. There is the upper uh, Coraline limestone that they call it this uh, Globigarina limestone, 
And then there is a lower coralline limestone. And the lower coralline limestone reaches a thickness of 140 meters in some areas. Um, this limestone is precisely semi-crystallized stone that is hard, heavy, very strong, and almost impermeable, which means it doesn't get weathered. Right. Now, the higher, the higher you go, like the higher, the closer you are to the surface, this limestone is... You go down there and you get that solid rock that's been stewing in the earth for a really long time. And you've got a really, really hard rock that's never going to go away. And that's how these megalithic sites, as I understand it, have have lasted as long as they have. Right. They didn't have to do a lot of transportation of the of the material as well. Let's dig into these tunnels a little bit. You know, not not too much, but a little bit because there are tunnels all over the island of of Malta. Uh, in this 1940 National Geographic article that we keep referencing, it cited this about the tunnels. These tunnels contain a three-year supply of grain stored in Floriana's subterranean vaults. Medieval castles with rugged bastions have been refitted and tunneled with secret fortifications. Now, this is 1940, you guys. Yeah. Emergency submarine refuges and hidden anchorages have been established in the several inlets in the islands. St. Paul's, Maleha, Selena, Medela, St. Julian, and St. Thomas Bays are plotted for such use with micrometer-like accuracy. That's... Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a military stronghold for so long, man. It's like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is, this is, this is like, it's like every single culture that have used this is, has dug in even more. And you think about the amount of supplies the island can hold while it can't necessarily grow the supplies, collect the supplies, they have to collect the supplies. So they got to put it somewhere. And then the fact that, you know, Nazi Germany bomb that more than any other other location during world war ii <laughs> didn't do a whole lot except wreck the surface i mean now it could probably completely sink the island with the, you know but you drop an h-bomb on there you drop an h-bomb yeah. anywhere you right. know bunker busters h-bomb yeah. yeah so now wow this is this it's a really fascinating place it's like these these tunnels can you imagine like like what has been hidden down there well, yeah where well, they connect to like inner earth and i mean gosh come on and the obsession with it of these leaders throughout all of history yeah think about the connection points there to ancient lore i mean this place holds it yeah and in, in uh, this next line in this article i love just based off of what you were just saying it says we were personally conducted through many of the defense works by British naval officers. Others, which were secret, were, of course, merely hinted at. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, right. It's it's not secret. It's not like secret when it comes to defensive stuff. It's like beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's pointing it out here, John, like you're saying, supplies are kept in many tunnels. Others are, are bomb shelters. Beneath Valletta, this is their capital, 
some of the underground areas serve as homes for the poor. So we've got like, uh, you know, like the L.A. catacombs situation here, too, where, right. you know, some of the homeless are kind of living underground in these areas. We've got a similar situation over in Malta at this time as well. Prehistoric man built temples and chambers in these vaults in a pit beside one sacrificial altar lie thousands of human skeletons. And here it is. Years ago, one could walk underground from one end of Malta to the other. Right. 1940, National Geographic. Years ago. Yeah, so why? Why not now? It says the government closed the entrances to these tunnels after school children and their teachers became lost in the labyrinth while on a study tour and never returned. There it is, right there. Oh, sections of this underground network have been used to protect military and naval supplies. Indeed, many of the fortifications themselves are merely caps atop a maze of tunnels. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, you know, can you imagine like, okay, so now I, the tunnels are probably really controlled unless you've got that entry point that's unknown. Mm. Um, most people go there and go to the House Alfiani Hypogeum. I yep. think that's how you pronounce it. That's so contained. But back then, we're talking like 1940, uh, that that article was written. You could go explore that place a bit more. The Hypogeum. And so that you, when you get to those children, that's <laughs> what that was about. Now it's pretty closed off. Now, the Maltese have their story of Sansuna, who was supposed to have built Gigantia. Sansuna mated with a normal human. The baby that she had was a hybrid, and she carried the baby on her back and built the temple um, in reverence to the event of her having a child, according to lore. And, and Sansuna would have looked- Wait, which one? So she built Gigantia? Gigantia. Yeah, okay. So, so that's the story. She built it for her child? She built it herself. Yes. And then some pirates came along, stole a child. She swam out to uh, rescue the child. The pirates basically like hewed her hands, basically killed her in the act of sealing this hybrid giant child. Because she, okay. So she was like, um, how tall was she? Like 12 feet or something? Yeah, massive. She like, was huge. Really big. I mean, and she built more, more than 12 feet. Yeah. yeah there, someone 12 feet, I don't think they could lift 50 tons. So she must no. have been big. Like, right. You know, maybe 20 right. feet, 25 feet. Right. Now, check this out, John. Yeah. There were other statues found on Malta that, um, you know, allude to kind of some historical nonsense like one of them was like a head built on a phallus um you know like um uh, like a head with a phallus coming out of it something like that right and then another was a head with the legs actually coming out of the neck area head and what's so strange about that 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 had been found is that Marco Polo's map actually has a similar being on his map. That's and like involved, the night sorry, crawlers. No, excuse me. The excuse Fresno me. night crawlers. It was the Piri Reese map that has this. Where really? they were 
Yeah, they were the Piri Reese map has a being on it where it looks like the legs are growing out of the head. Almost like the head is on the body. You remember these giants that we've seen, these redheaded yeah. giants where the head is on the body and then the arms come out of the torso and the legs are growing, you know, beneath that. Right, right. That's very weird. Yeah. That just reminds me of those Fresno night crawlers. What are those? You never you never saw them? Um they're 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 I'm I sure I have. I mean, you just look at it and you just laugh because it's absolute ridiculousness. They're like this little head thing that's got these it looks like it's got flowy fabric coming off of it, a little head and these legs, these weird legs, and it sort of like walks along. Somebody caught him on security camera and they showed up in other locations. Fresno's we need- weird. Fresno, California. Oh yeah. What? They look kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a drawing of it, I guess. Yeah. That's, they look like somebody messing around. Like, yeah, with sheets and, on or something. Right. And in some cases I'm sure it is, but the original one that we saw, which is that one right now that she's got. No, that was a real thing. That's creepy. Remote viewed it. That was a real, real thing. If you can believe that. They're weird. It's weird. Yeah. They're Fresno, really weird. California. Yeah. Fresno. Fresno is a bizarre location. I get, they have a, just a preponderance of strange paranormal stuff occurs there. I have not seen this. I thought this would have been something I saw. I've never seen this before. That's weird. You got to watch the video, like the original security cam footage. It's just what the, what the heck? Dude. So maybe there was a version of these Fresno nightcrawlers in Malta at one point. Right. Okay. So we found on the Wayback Machine a very interesting article where someone found a tunnel in their home in a pantry going straight what the down. Are you, yeah. yeah straight down into the malta catacombs so so you have a, a regular house and in their pantry so you're talking about like a kitchen type pantry deal they've got a tunnel like a closet they've got access to the tunnels yeah yeah now we, you gotta wonder like if that was created during world war ii right um yeah, I mean, because how would the island survive? How would the people survive if maybe, they didn't have quick access to sure. tunnel systems? At the same time, though, if everything was already built on the tunnel system, you know, to right. begin with, this this goes back centuries. Now we're talking about someone rediscovering a very ancient uh, tunnel system, right? And, right. Uh, it's really interesting. So here's here's kind of a little bit more of this story. Um, quote, I was at school in Malta and heard about the hypogeum that had been discovered under the foundations of a house that was being built. My friend and I caught an old Maltese bus and went to visit it, climbing down through the abandoned shell of the house. Huge piles of bones were still in the corner. Wait. Really? So huge piles of bones were still, I wonder when this was written. 2014? 2014, okay. Yeah. It's funny that we had to pull this off of the Wayback Machine. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) So huge pile of bones were still in the corner. Another school friend had lived in a massive house in Medina. The lounge was so big that you had to shout across the room to be heard. One day, a group of us went to visit her, 
and she opened a door which looked like a pantry door beside the kitchen. It wasn't a pantry. It was an entrance to the catacombs. Wow. Yeah. She gave, she gave us candles and we slowly walked in, keeping hold of each other's shoulders. We passed other tunnels branching off. Then someone started making ghostly noises and we all panicked. We turned around and rushed back the way we came, or so we thought. The candles were flickering as we ran, which scared us even more. Luckily, oh so luckily, we took the right route and emerged shaking but laughing. Wow. Wow. So this is like more modern times here. I got to wonder like when this event occurred and and how many houses still have access into the tunnels. Uh, they probably don't talk about it. A lot of them may not even know. Yeah, they don't know. Or like right below them, a lot of that is. Now, what's really interesting, where the hypogeum was found in this construction area, it was an entire, and this is in 1903 or whatever, it was an entire residential area. People didn't even know the hypogeum was there. The construction crew starts working. They hit through the, the ceiling of the hypogeum and they rediscover it around all of these like residential homes. Right, right, right. Exactly. So they didn't know. Nobody knew that it was there. That's fascinating. Yeah. And then what was that story? I mean, the story was these workmen, right? They were they were digging what you say, a cistern, a well? Well, they, yeah, I guess. They were just, you know, you're, you're doing construction. You're probably trying right. to create a foundation. You're digging down. Oh, okay. You, you don't know the catacombs are there or the, uh, the hypogeum is there. Um, why on earth would anyone build a door to the catacombs in their house? It was a very old house, hundreds of years old. Oh, but even so, why? Um, right. Again, the entire island could be accessed through tunnels. This was all closed down by the British government. Um, now, yeah, what's also interesting is the 1940 National Geographic article talks about these missing children a group of like 30 or 40 children that went missing when they entered into the hypogeum, um, the same hypogeum that we were just talking about, the Hal Safliani hypogeum, which we will be getting into in depth in an entire episode of this series because this is, I mean, wow, the one of the craziest stories I've ever heard in my life. You also have the not only the kids, but the Jessup story that we can bundle with the children. Absolutely. Because, that... you know, we're, this is like the North 1940s time frame, And I don't know, like what we have from that time to now to present, like, like there's just nothing that's come out of it. But when you get to those workers, you know, the workers that, that found it, I suggest, and refound it in 1903, but they knew about it earlier, right? Didn't they know about this area earlier, the tunnels earlier than that? Well, the people know about it's like it got wiped off memory. Yes, it was sort of like, let's just not tell anyone that we know this stuff is here. Also, when you're talking about an island that's riddled with ancient structures everywhere, people just start building stuff on things and they're like, I got to live. You know, some stuff's going to get lost. The hypogeum just happened to be right. Rediscovered in 1903. I think it's really like when we start talking about like Malta in our last episode, we were talking about how did Malta hold off all of these different armies? Uh, we You start getting into this conversation about these star forts that are on Malta. Mm-hmm. These star forts are 
I mean, gosh, really interesting. Um, how much of this was built and how much of it was left over? And right. if and if you think that that's a stretch of the imagination, there you can go to Malta. There are people that have gone to Malta and they have recorded all of this. And you can see massive rocks built, you know, as the foundation with with smaller rocks built above them. Um which we can we can actually show you a little bit of this footage. Um, you can even see erosion patterns on the old stone and the newer stone is just super easy to tell. So we'll go ahead and pull uh, a video up in just a moment. And the, the, the stone, I guess what they date this whole configuration construction, the constructions on Malta to what the 1500 ish time frame, right? Yeah, they they say that the construction of Malta happened really in the 1500s. But when you look at some of the clips from this video, you can see like here's some of the some of the newer some of the newer stone is built atop some of this older older stone. Um there are different examples of this here. You can see that where where the arrows are pointing. That was really old stuff. So with a lot of this stuff, it looks like it looks like the earlier earlier construction was digging into uh, the mountain, basically. Okay, you can see in this uh, video here um, the the kind of tools on the bottom and the and the um, and the video player um, icons are are blocking a little bit of this. But there's a woman standing down there. There is a lot of like very, very old limestone rock on the bottom and on the very top of that video, you can see these much more, these patterned stones that have been built atop of that. And then on the bottom lined next to where she is, right underneath that logo, there is actually an opening where stone was filled in. Right, right. And then you have... um See that? So right. if you're building a fort, right, there they are right there. And they had to fill it in because if you're going to build a fort, you're not going to have entrances to the fort where you're going to get attacked, obviously. And so if you look at this structure, you will also see staircases on the outside of the fort that go to these openings that the openings have been closed off. So, so there is a clear difference between the 15th century construction and what actually was constructed earlier. Clear, clear difference in different intention, obviously, because I don't think it was built as a fort originally because of the staircases on the outside going into the fort. It doesn't make sense. Right. And so you, you have the new world being built atop the old world. It seems. And you can see this everywhere <laughs> across Malta. It's not exactly. Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah. Right. So I know I thought that was a very fascinating take, very t fascinating video um, because it was very clear and and it's very reminiscent of, let's just say that the Yonaguni monument in Japan. Right. Yonaguni is a site that actually sits near Taiwan, but it's part of Japan's territory. And 
right off the coast of one of their islands underwater, I can't remember how many feet, is something that would maybe be considered a star fort. So this structure, look at this thing, you know, when we had remote viewed this, it was, it was, it was a very ancient construction. It's like, we're talking about Atlantis style construction right. and purpose uh, that didn't have to do with warring, right? Didn't have to do with fighting and protecting. Had to do with um, with um, sound and learning, like sound reverberations, like when we get to the hypogeum and some of the ancient structures. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. So, if this was on the surface, um, it would probably be called a star fort of some kind, right? You know, and appropriated as such. Now, look at this. Look at that right there. See all that stuff on the bottom? You can see everything on the bottom was there. And then these stones that the modern humans are just building on top of it to fortify it. You can see that this this stone wall goes up even further. So this is the bridge. These stones here are the bridge between this like old world and everything that's that's new that they're building right. to protect themselves. Right. Right. And that, that old, that newer, newish old world was 1500s. Okay. So how many bones were found under there? You mentioned that earlier. There were at the, at the beginning, there were reportedly about 30 to 33,000 bones oh. or like of different people found there. Okay. So think about if the, a lot of death occurs in a location you get, and ghost hunters have figured this stuff out. Where if, if a lot of death has occurred, you're going to have portals to other realms, to other locations. It opens up these portals into strangeness. So conceivably, yeah. I mean, heck, that could be like the ancient Fresno Nightcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It is weird. Yeah. So there's there's examples of other of other beings that, you know, could have been there. Not to mention, you know, some of the relief, the painting on in some of the caves and or um, temples were, you know, they were with red ochre, which usually is meant to symbolize blood. Now, what's strange about this is, if, okay, like think about this. These were found near where all those bones are. Right. Okay. If the skin was left on the bones and the and everything was rotting the gases from that would have completely destroyed the painting on these ceilings right. so these bodies were prepared they were skinned before being left in there for whatever reason i don't even know what that means we're talking about some weird bizarre death cult stuff dude you, you, i don't know you want to go there no. for real I mean, we can, well, I'm not saying like physically go there. I'm saying like <laughs> get into this the stuff that, that, that I've seen with the RV data and even viewing on this myself is pretty yeah. intense. Um, I mean, it goes down this rabbit hole that most people will scratch their heads at and just say, I'm insane. But, but I would if you want. do that, John, you can confide in me. Oh yeah. Okay. I can confide in you. All right. I'm going to tell you what happened. Um, pull up a picture of Gigantia. Now let's see. I want to, I want to just ask you a question. Sure. So Gigantia is this from the top looks almost like this clover like temple 
that Graham Hancock referenced and several other researchers have referenced as being older than the pyramids of Giza. And right. we're going to take a look at an aerial view of Gigantia. Feels like a creepy place. I'm getting All right. really creepy. There's one that's actually a little bit better. Um, what's the other one? T- pull up. Mm, there you go. That's the one I want to see right there. All right. So let me ask you a question. What What does that look like to you when you look down upon it? Some sort of like... Okay, so one could be like, is it a crucified man, a person like stretched out? You know, it could look like some type right. of, of moth or bug. <clears throat> right. You've got that almost like clover Malta right. cross look, you know, and stuff like that. But that's like not it, what I'm talking about. It looks like a double cross to me to some extent. What, what, what if you look at if you look at uh, cattle people, what ca- people kept cattle in? They would look similar to this. What do you, wait? Say that again. If if you if you looked if at if you looked at what cattle pens, uh huh, um, they would look similar to this. Oh, In no, fact, like no. dude, no, you're saying that okay. these were created as pens for sacrificed individuals. All right. So the data around this, like what <laughs> we don't have stuff like ceremonial purposes. We don't have stuff that goes down that path with some of these things. What we have here are humans being rounded up and put in these pens to, yeah, yeah. It's, and we're not talking necessarily about sacrificial altar type stuff. Yeah, some of that did happen. What we're talking about is for a totally different purpose, and that is food. What? No. Oh. That is food these are so a giant dude we're talking about fee-fi-fo-fum is what we're talking about (laughs) we're talking about jack and the beanstalk kind of stuff fee-fi-fo-fum fee-fi-fo-fum oh man what we're talking about is is something that shows up throughout history in native native cultures will talk about it in the united states for instance where the red-haired giants out of Nevada, right? The Apache, like have the story where the red-haired giants would eat them and they would fight with them. Finally, they they pushed the red-haired giants into a cave and burned them, killed them, shot arrows at them, the last of the red-haired giants. So this is a long time ago. And then later on, we're talking probably the 1930s, 1940s, I believe, a miner decides he's going to mine guano in a cave in Nevada. He starts digging in the cave and he finds giant bones and giant skulls in this cave that this, this tribe had stated that's where it took place. That's where we killed the last of the red-haired giants, right? So th- these types of stories occur throughout history where this giant race would eat people. Now, when you get to Malta, and you get to some of these structures, these structures were built to keep and contain their food, their human food, right? So so that's what we're looking at here with some of the structures. Of course, like when you get into the ceremonial type aspects, it's not human ceremonial aspects. It's, it's, it's what these other beings were doing with them. And of course, you're going to have probably ceremonial aspects around sacrifice every once in a while. But for the most part, what we're seeing is that these were for containment of humans. 
And this 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 goes down a path where I think like even Graham Hancock would be like, no, no, no probably not. He would not be able to right? that. Because anybody would say, John, you're completely, utterly insane because none of that happened. But if you look through these stories throughout history, and I mean, this is what our remote viewing data is pointing towards. It's not talking about ceremonial stuff. If, if, if a ceremony happened or it was built for just ceremonial purposes, that comes through because there's a lot of energy around that, right? And now what you're talking about are the skeletons, the 30,000 skeletons that are found underground. Okay, that's this whole other realm. Like, what did they find on those skeletons? You were saying, well, they had to be skinned. Oh, they had to be eaten. They were eaten. Like, yeah, they had to be eaten. So you, you'll find, you would find down there that there's evidence of them being eaten right? Because you're going to find that in the bones. Not just that, you're going to find evidence of the other species mixed in with the humans because, no, they didn't build that, the hypogeum, that hypogeum for a, a dumping ground. Uh, not necessarily, but a lot of them ended up there because, hey, you know. Chuck it in the hole. Were, yeah, chuck it in the hole, but they also were living, you know, down there living down there because when you get to this ancient 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 lore around um these races that came from elsewhere i guess you would call it the nephilim um when we had remote viewed all that stuff we got a lot of them huge contingents of them going underground and and this is where you get into like the idea of ancient bloodlines that have power right this this really goes into a, a point where where secret societies and ancient people who believe they're in the royalty zone get into this idea of something else from somewhere else, giving them that bloodline and that royalty. This is one of the reasons why Malta is so important because this was one of the original locations that we've seen where they did go underground, right? This is like a, a very pivotal central point, this location. This is crazy, man. You know that. Right. In six six four of Genesis, there is that quote: "There were giants in the earth in those days." And there then you go. We have Odysseus in the earth. The in, the earth. in the in earth. The, in the earth. And then we have Odysseus, who is his entire team is getting caught by giant cyclopses in a cave. They're in a cave. Right. They're underground. They're coming out to find food and then going back into the caves. Right. And he's watching his men getting getting eaten by the Cyclops. Yes, exactly. I mean, this is all the stuff that we I've done an extensive amount of work on the this Nephilim, the giant side, like what they were doing, who they were. And and a huge aspect of this is well, the the they sort of split up into different groups. And a huge contingent of them went underground. Um and and they would like a food source for them what were humans and they weren't cannibalistic because they were giants they were a different race and i mean think about how we think about cattle and that's how they thought about humans so not a big deal to round them up build these pens like at gigantia and and keep them in there until you know you're ready to eat them you feed them like cows you collect them and and then eat them later on <laughs> Here we go. It's like, oh, Malta has these beautiful temples. Let's go visit the beautiful Let's temples. Let's go visit of Malta. the temples. 
<laughs> Let's Megalith go visit the, the human holding pens. Of Megalithic Malta. stones. <laughs> I know it sounds absolutely, you know, batch insane, but. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't, though. I mean, think about it. What you said makes even more sense than it just being ritualistic. Like these, these scientists who, by the way, don't know. You know, no, they don't. They don't know for sure why something was a certain way. They're immediately going to go to, oh, this was their this was their belief system. This was whatever. But isn't it much more practical that these would be used for food? Like you have to feed yourselves. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're going to build right. the thing to feed yourself or that contains the food to feed yourself a lot faster. Right. Than well, there's temples only yeah. come when you're refining your civilization and you're you're taking that next step and food isn't really a thought for you right and what what you're trying to do is you have a huge mis misunderstanding of a different race of beings and why they constructed things you just assume that humans did it so you're going to just say what humans would have done in these structures but you can't place that on a totally different race right so so you get into this fantastical idea, at least from my standpoint, what I've seen with it, that these are beautiful temples that were constructed to worship deities in this way and that way and align with the cosmos. And well, yeah, of course, Maybe some of them so. were because they did come from elsewhere. Um, it's just not, it's just not true. It's not true. Like, like really, I got to tell you, like it was very visceral in remote viewing some of this because you can feel, you can hear when you're remote viewing, you have an experience, right? And you can feel the crunching of bones. You can ah. feel the tearing of flesh with teeth, like in, in some of this data, right? Because I had viewed on this as well. And of course, blind, because we always do it blind. We don't know what we're viewing beforehand and we have a ton of stuff to view. So, so when you get into this type of stuff, it's like these types of beings were underground and they were very large. Some of them are very, very hairy. Um, some of them had big heads, like elongated heads. These beings were, they had an attitude of being like trickster, pretty dark. They felt dark, right? Like how the Bible would describe the Nephilim. They felt dark and they were, tearing through flesh and blood and bones of human and looking for them. And some of them, some of them were even um, seemed to be blind, which was interesting because that came up later and use a form of like echolocation. Um, so, so it could have been that for a lot of these guys living underground when they came here was, you know, what they would do because sunlight didn't matter to them. Right. Mm. And now when you get to a location where you have that amount of death occurring, you're opening portal to lower astral realms. It's just an inevitability that secret societies, well, they love, and they also have a connection to this, to this, to these in general, because a lot of the Royals believe that their blood comes from these, these dark Lords or gods, whatever they want to call them of the past deep past history. So, so that's why this is such an important, important location for these guys across the board. 
because it's it seems to be this in a sense landing point of this race this is where they first seem to dig in wow that's crazy All right. Well, uh, hope you guys are enjoying these episodes. We just got through some crazy information and there's so much more uh, in our next episodes. We're going to be getting into the Hall Sofliani hypogeum and unraveling that story a little bit more on the Oracle Room, missing children and elongated skulls, giants and so much more. So, John, thanks so much for being with us. And for all of you at home, I hope you guys thought this episode was as out of this world as we did.